loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired to create a deeper life to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm welcoming Bernie and Charlie Siegel. Dr. Bernie Siegel was born in Brooklyn, New York, and attended Colgate University and Cornell University Medical College. He had surgical training at Yale New Haven Hospital, West Haven Veterans Hospital, and the Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. He retired from practice as an assistant clinical professor professor of surgery at Yale of general and pediatric surgery in 1989 to work with patients and their caregivers. In 1978, he originated Exceptional Cancer Patients, or ECAP, a specific form of individual and group therapy utilizing patients' drawings, dreams, images, and feelings. ECAP is based on carefrontation, quote-unquote, a safe, loving, therapeutic confrontation which facilitates personal lifestyle changes, personal empowerment, and healing of the individual's life. The physical, spiritual, and psychological benefits which followed led to his desire to make everyone aware of his or her healing potential. He realized exceptional behavior is what we're all capable of. Charlie Siegel is an author of inspirational fiction with a spiritual touch. He's also the co-author of a book of poetry, When You Realize How Perfect Everything Is, with Bernie, who's his grandfather. Designed to uplift and heal, his works tug on the heartstrings and call to us all to rise above the heaviness in this COVID time, we know a lot about that, and the doldrums, and find those things that call to us in life that inspire us and help us to live as our true selves. His first book was Conversations with an Angel, a story of healing through passageways of grief. He's also a professional nature, wildlife, and landscape photographer, and some of his photographs are featured in their book. Welcome, Bernie and Charles. Charlie. Thank you for having me. Welcome to you, too. (laughs) Very very glad to have you here, and I have to say that, Bernie, my... um, Awareness of you goes quite a long ways back um, because I used to, when my first wife was ill, uh, she was ill for a very long time, 10 years with cancer, and uh, we used to go hang out with uh, Stephen and Andrea Levine, and Uh you were frequently mentioned. (laughs) Frequently mentioned. So Way back uh, then, it was almost like a club. You know, there were certain people who understood that mind and body are a unit and that you're not blaming people when you talk to them about their lives and emotions and all kinds of things. Uh, I mean, the word that comes up over and over in articles about me was controversial. (laughs) What a a badge of courage. (laughs) Yeah, you don't hear that now. But I mean, for me, it was my experience. And that's part of why I started writing poems and keeping a journal both of which I have in front of me. I'm not going to open my journal, but it, I, Charlie knows, I've mentioned this before, on, in 1996. I mean, I kept it for many years, but I happened to find that book. And 
oh, it, it has a lot of wonderful advice and things to say to me. Let me just look a minute, because this morning I found it rather moving to look at that page. Um, family, the gift of their existence, the pain of their difficulties, that love which cannot be equaled. Yes. Now, the pain of being one with another. Know the pain of being one with another. I mean, you know, I don't know where those comments came from, believe me. Um, <laughs> Divine inspiration. I keep rereading them to, to, to learn the lessons I learned before and remind me of them. And that's part of why I think putting a book like this together, it's from things that Charlie and I have felt and written about. And uh, there are no coincidences. So when I was talking to him about another book I have that just came out, um, no endings, only beginnings. It's spiritual and so forth. And he was helping me and sharing things. And we got started talking about poetry. Oh, I'll send you my poetry. And it's like the two of us had written the same thing because we're both experiencing life. And Charlie's heard me say this before, but I think he is so far ahead of people in the sense of his sensitivity and awareness at his age. Um, you know, we can be aware of our pain, but he's gone beyond that and uh, turned it into something therapeutic. You know, uh, one thing that stood out when you two wanted to come on Good Grief together is how... Um, how strong a tendency there is for the generations to be separated. And I don't get that sense from the two of you. And Charlie, I'd love to hear that must come from a, you know, a relationship developed over the course of your life. Um, since you were born, I would imagine. But could you talk a bit about that? Uh, just about your relationship together and how you've managed to, um, maintain that connectedness and and come into an adult relationship together yeah it's a pretty interesting story um he, he talks about it really nicely that we've we've come from different places that I, I love to compare it to a an old i think it's a japanese quote yeah there are many roads to the top of mount fuji but only one summit that we're headed in the same sort of direction with a, a spiritual path and wanting to help others to to live the best way that they can and and to live in a, a more positive outlook on themselves and on the world and we're we've kind of gotten to this point from different experiences in our own lives um, but he was talking about when we were sharing our poetry when he was working on his his other newest book um, I've written poetry for for quite a while I, I attribute a lot of my my spirituality and the, the kind of things that I write about to that I grew up in my mom's store a lot of the time with uh, Wisdom of the Ages is her store in Simsbury, Connecticut. She started it when I was three, and she teaches a lot of classes there on meditation and spiritual development and things like that. And I, I run it alongside her now, managing it together. And it's it's become everyday life, kind of like I I know how like how awesome it is, but it's also my everyday world. Uh, that like I I was homeschooled. I did a lot of my schoolwork in the back of the store, listening to her help people. So. So I see that, and then 
Grandpa Bernie's gone through a lot in his life and written a lot about like working through the feelings of it and lessons he's learned. So we shared our poetry with each other where he's written about a lot of experiences and I've written a lot of these sort of spiritual lessons I've gained along the way that I want to help to share with people. And some of it's also life experiences I've had that, that I want to get to share um, how it, what has helped me along the way. We shared our poetry with each other and it was like we were having the sort of subconscious conversation together through our writing. Like some of his was written back in the 80s where I wrote mine in like from 2013 or so to present. And we were writing the same metaphors and the same kind of language on, on the same topics without knowing it. Uh, so that's where our book came together. Like let, let's line these up like the conversation that they are and uh, get this out to help people. Can I, you know, I've got to add something because. Go, really yes, struck, absolutely. It really struck me this time because my parents grew up with all kinds of tragedies. All right. I won't go into all the details. Death of a parent when you're young with no money, uh, coming out of Russia where their lives were threatened. And so my parents were like Charlie's parents that I got three messages from them all the time, which drove me crazy as a kid. Do what makes you happy. Hey, I need you to help me. I need to make a decision. Do what makes you happy. And I'd go to my room and try to figure out what would make me happy. <laughs> Can't you just then tell I'd me? Then i home and say, I had a horrible day. Everything went wrong. God is redirecting you. Something good will come of this. Did you hear what I just told you? Yes, God is redirecting you. Something good will come of this. And the last, because of the tragic events, I heard my father say, my father dying when I was 12 years old was one of the best things that ever happened to me. I met him later after people were interviewing him, and I said, what are you talking about? I know the hell you were in. He said, yes, but it taught me what was important about life. And that was to help other people, not to accumulate wealth, you know, or, or have a big fancy car, house, et cetera, but to help people. And that's the kind of man he was. So I grew up with damn good therapists. I didn't realize how lucky I was to have their love and their wisdom. And I'd say the same. It's like why Charlie and I are connected. I was into art, he's into photography. I mean, there are so many similarities. Our parenting, um, it, it, it's no coincidence. Um, and that's what people have to realize, that we're creating our future. Uh, Jung, Elizabeth Kugler-Ross, I mean, these are people I either knew or their words uh, were telling us that we're creating our future and people need to realize that. So I say there are no coincidences when Charlie and I are talking and I'm realizing his spirituality, his poetry, and boom, something comes out of that. Well, of course, that is the entire um, message of this show, that grief hurts yes. and it ha we have to let it hurt, of course, I, I believe. Uh, we can't skip that part, right? <laughs> I've known some well, people get me, pretty I, brittle trying to skip it. But, one, but one something comes. Because what you have to think about, and I would have a lot of poems written to me by patients, you see. And so you can compare nine months of pregnancy to 12 months of chemotherapy and radiation. I watch my body change, tired, I sit staring out at life, I live within my mind, et cetera, et cetera. 
the time passes, I give birth to a child, all the discomfort and pain is now justified. The time passes, I give birth to myself, all the discomfort and pain is now justified. And so, you know, when we realize that our pain can be our labor pain and guide us, and I mean that literally because so often I would say to people, how would you describe your pain? And then they'd come up with a word and I'd say, how does that word fit your life? And boy, their eyes would pop out of their head because they knew they had to go home and straighten out that part of their life if they're going to have relief from their pain. And in a sense, the title of our book, when you realize how perfect everything is, that's when you realize, you know, it isn't that we're free of troubles because uh, that wouldn't make it an authentic world. Uh, but it's how those troubles can become our teachers too. And uh, the way it's all put together, we can come out, learn, and not have to have all the troubles that other people do because we now know how to live and how to deal with the labor pains. You know, it's, it's interesting because um, I'm a therapist. I, I introduce myself as a grief counselor, which isn't always the best idea, by the way, because unless mm. I want to have, uh, unless I'm available for a deep, conversation that I don't want to interrupt once it starts, <laughs> but um, people will say, doesn't it make grief easier? Does it make it easier? I'll be, well, not particularly. It just means that I go, I go there. I mean, I just experience it and then it goes into something else. So I think there is something about getting used to the fact that that's just, that, that whatever we experience is just part of living. Yes. Right. And that's why I say if it's a labor pain, then it leads you to something. But the, the what was I going to say? Um, as a grief counselor, um, oh dear, something popped in and out of my head that was important. I hope it'll come <laughs> no back. worries. <laughs> I, I mean, I had so many ideas and so many things going on. It, you know, it's, it's hard to keep up with what's going on in my head. But, uh, you know, when you listen to people, then it, it comes forth. Well, Helen Keller, there's another one. Um, we're asking people to read poetry. Um, we, she said, deafness is darker by far than blindness. And we need to listen to each other. Not only that, but listen to ourselves. See, I think that's what the journal does. You're talking to yourself. And then you know what you need to do with your life because of what you, you know, are reading and feeling and writing about. Absolutely. From our, from our book there that uh, talks about some of that you were talking about using uh, challenging emotional times and experiences to, to see what comes of that and what you evolved to. There's one of my pieces in the book is called Even Stone is Worn Away. And it's one of my longer ones in the book, but I'll read the, the end segment here for you. Um, as the great waters of the earth come to wear away stone with their rushing powers of movement, so too can my tears use their natural tendencies of water to wash away all the pain inside. I let it go and be released into the torrent that was expelled from me. I'm whole, I'm anew, I'm washed clean, the pain has no home within me. I stand up and walk on, different than the snake whose old self can be seen lying along the land where they made their journey of self-discovery. My old self cannot be seen. It is invisible, but it is left behind just the same. 
And as the leaves or the snake skin or the fallen log will decompose and help to heal the future generations, so too may the lessons of my pain be used by others to unburden theirs. Let us grow toward a future of standing in the sunlight. That's part of the message that we wanted to share with our book and um, that, that idea that the, the, the title of our book is based on the quote, when you realize how perfect everything is, you'll tilt your head back and laugh at the sky. And it's not such like the simple kind of like everything's good, everything's perfect. It's that like when you look at life from above, like you're looking at your life's path, those more difficult times can be perfect in a sense because they're, they're built in along the way to give you opportunities to grow and to learn and become the best that you can be along the way. Yes. I mean, my idea of that, and I want to see if you could resonate with it, is that um, in some way going through the worst thing I had in my life freed me because I then knew I could do that. And so I didn't have to guard against life. Yeah, that's definitely one way to look at it. And I, I think it's, it's a blessing that we're all like we're all the, the same, but we're all unique and different. Um, and that when we each have a situation and one person's going to handle it or respond to it totally differently from the next person that might be in the same situation. Um, so that that's cool that like that, that's a great way to respond to it. I, I and I, I feel as if uh, this, this time, you know, I'm taught, I'm, I've continued working online during the time when we're all sheltering in place and, um, People would think that that those of us who've had painful experiences in our life might have a harder time, but I haven't found that so. I've found it the opposite. Oh, yeah. that, the, the people who've had some practice with dealing with what they don't prefer uh, <laughs> seem to be doing better, actually, at, at figuring out how to keep their resiliency up right, right now. Um, well, let me share two stories. One could could we uh, do that after our break, Bernie? Because it's uh, just a very short time till our break, so I don't want to interrupt you once you start talking. All right. Okay. Yeah, let's go to the break, and we'll and we'll do that when we get and back. I'll forget by then what I was going to say, but it, we'll give it a try. <laughs> Tell <laughs> us during the break, and we'll help you remember. All right, <laughs> listeners, you'll find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America, and to find Bernie and Charlie, you can go to. Bernie Siegel's website, Bernie Siegel, it's S-I-E-G-E-L-M-D.com. You can find their book at Barnes & Noble's, Amazon, every good bookstore. And we'll be back after the break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Be sure to like the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel on Facebook. You'll find great health tips from the experts. Find out more about your favorite shows and talk back to our team. Search Voice America Health or click the like button under the player today. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. 
To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I'm here with Bernie and Charlie Siegel, the authors of When You Realize How Perfect Everything Is. And before the break, we were talking about uh, a kind of, for want of a better word, resiliency that comes when you know you can face hard things and get to the end and find find the lessons in it, find the good in it. Um, that's why the show is called Good Grief, basically. But um, Bernie, you were going to share a couple of stories and yeah. during the during the break, you said you had a story about a 90-year-old therapist, someone who became right. a therapist at 90. Well, I find that extremely encouraging. Can you share that? Yeah. And don't let me forget another one about tears. But anyway, uh, I met this 90-year-old. She had cancer. Uh, she lived in New Haven, Connecticut, near me. And um, she told me all the things she had gone through in her life and that she now had Yale students living in her home because they loved being with her. She was like grandma. I mean, because of all she'd lived through, she was a therapist to them. So I said to her, why don't you come to our cancer group? You've had cancer, you've lived through things, you'd be a natural. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to help people. I said, just come and sit there. So she's sitting there. And one day, everybody's going through every disaster in their life. Oh, you know, I've got it worse than you. I got it worse than you. I mean, it was getting totally out of control. And I turned to her and I said, what is it that worries you? What frightens you? And she sat there for about five minutes. And then suddenly she sat up and said, oh, I know what it is. I said, what is it? Driving on the parkway at night. <laughs> the whole room burst out laughing and she resolved everybody's issue with that simple statement. She had been through every disaster they were talking about. And so it was no longer what she worried about. And the other I learned that my dad had a beautiful death. He literally died laughing because of stories my mother was telling. And it was just beautiful. But still, I lost my father. And I was grieving. And one night the angel of death shows up and says, come on with me. We're going up to heaven. See your father march in a parade. So I join him and go. And we're sitting there watching this parade. And the angel said, these are all people who have died in the last month. And we celebrate them and their lives. And they're all walking by in beautiful white robes, carrying a gorgeous glowing candle. And then as I'm watching the parade come, I said to the angel, hey, there's a guy coming with a dark candle. And the angel said, oh, here's a match. Go light it. I run up and it's my father. And I never forget these words. Hey, dad, I'm here to light your candle. He said, son, they light it for me, but your tears keep putting it out. Boom. From that moment on, when I thought of my father, I didn't think of grieving and crying because I knew he wanted me to enjoy life. And I wrote a little story called Buddy's Candle with that line. And, and the buddy is a dog and the family, 
a, a child develops cancer, but he points out how much the dog is teaching them about living. And, and let me say, there was one lady I know who was dealing with cancer and her boyfriend took off. He couldn't deal with it. She adopted a cat that was hanging around her house, took it for a checkup. It had feline leukemia. The vet tells her, gonna die in a few months. So she said, I came home, we're both gonna be dead in a few months. But I noticed something. The cat wasn't depressed like I was. The cat was running around, tearing up the house, having a wonderful time. I thought maybe the cat knows something I don't know. No, to make a long story short, the cat lived for something like 12 years and saved the woman's life because she started living again. And neither one of them, you know, dropped dead in a few months. So I'd say learn those things. And that's part of what we're trying to share. You know, when you think again about that woman, if I said to her, if you realize how perfect everything is, she'd say, what are you talking about? My boyfriend left, I have cancer, what the hell's perfect? But it's amazing what you can accomplish when you start healing. There's a symbol of the, the butterfly, rainbow-colored butterfly, as self-induced healing in Solzhenitsyn's book. But think about life. You got to bust out of a cocoon and spread your wings and create harmony and order, the rainbow. And what a difference that makes when your body gets that message. I know both both of you, I don't know the specifics with you, Charlie, and maybe you could share them. I know, Bernie, your wife died not that many years ago. Yeah, a couple of years. Uh, and... Um, you know, my personal angle on it is both, both yes and, <laughs> um, you know, moments. I, I, I've spent a lot of time with someone who uh, works in the, um, in the tradition of Burkina Faso, and they believe that our tears feed the ancestors feed those who have died. So there's lots of angles on this. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, that, but not to cry all the time. Right. You know, to, to live your life, to live in beauty, to live in yeah. peace and cry when there are tears because that's food, you know, which I find yeah. kind of beautiful for sure. But um, how, in yeah, I say it's not letting the grief overcome you. Right. You know, it's not bad to shed a tear. And, and feel the separation. But you don't turn your life over to that. You don't stop, stop living. Can I tell you something mystical that happened this weekend? You have time for that? Uh, we have time, but I do want to hear, uh, Charlie, about your griefs after that, okay? Yeah, go, yeah I can share this after he's done. Yeah, um, and uh, it is interesting that there's a lot of different takes on it, and um, actually, my, my first book I published in 2017, The Conversations with an Angel, is all about helping people that are going through grief and loss. And uh, when I've had loss in my life, it, it's, it, is a, uh, it has a real impact on you, uh, for sure. But it is how you respond to it and, and how you move on from that in a way, but you still carry it with you and, and did have an imprint on you. Um, I, I teach a lot of the perspective on a spiritual look at it that you know, we're, we're all a soul living in a body for a time. So we have this, 
this everlasting light within us that, that is us in a, in a true sense um, that goes on to another place. I, I think of it like a, an even more, more real and awesome place than the physical world that, that we're in now. Um, but as that soul moves on, my, my book teaches it about uh, like it's different sides of a playground and that when one, one family member passes on to the other side of the playground, they're still, they're still connected through the, through the love connection. They're still there as, as a, a guide and watching over you. And um, my, my book goes through a, it's a, it's a fictional story, but it's written like as if I was experiencing it as, as the, like as the author doing it uh, as a, a guy that's going through central park and he's met by an angel that teaches him all about what it's like from the soul's perspective. So I like to go to that a lot that, um, that there's, there's more out there than just, uh, just us and just here now. And we're all here for a reason. And those, those imperfections of life can be what's important and what's beautiful to, to make life what it is and to make us who we are. Um, but like there's, this is important and there's more than this that's important also. Mm. Absolutely. Do you remember what you were going to tell us, Bernie? Yeah, I've been working hard to remember. <laughs> this weekend, I'm challenging you here. <laughs> I have to, numbers, Jung said this, numbers have quantity and meaning. And the last three days, well, three days, I mean, 9, 10, and 11, we're on the 13th now. But my wife was born on 9-9, so 9 is important. It was Mother's Day on the 10th, and the mother is gone. And the 11th is the number of the day we were married on. Mm. I did a wash. And when I emptied the dryer, sitting on the bottom of the dryer were a dime and a penny. And that's about the fifth or sixth time I have found a dime and a penny since my wife died, in, even in a bird bath in the, in the woods outside our house. I, a voice in my head said, clean the bird bath. And I did, and there was a dime and a penny. So I know it's my wife saying, honey, I'm around. I love you. See? Because it's my, you know, her birthday, our anniversary, Mother's Day. Then the next day, I go to make the bed after I get up. And it's our bed from when she was around, you know, big bed for two people. And I walk around to the other side where she slept to pull it back and tighten it up. And as I lifted it, it literally pulled out of my hands and fell backwards the other way. And what's lying on the sheet over the mattress? A dime and a penny. And the reason I like to share these things is there is no way you can explain these events. Okay, you could tell me, oh, you had money in, in, in one of the garments you washed but how did it get out of the garment? But when you get to the bed, I don't lie on the, you know, the, the mattress with money in my pockets. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> and, you know, to find those things, it was such an uplifting experience for me. Because when I flipped the sheets, as I say, it's like they pulled out of my hand, like somebody else was, you know, grabbing them and pulling them back. And there's the dime and the penny. It was like, wow, thank you, sweetheart. It, it, it just That's, changed you know, my view of life and the world and death. It's interesting because I, I say a lot 
you know, death doesn't end a relationship. Right. It, it ends a body. Um, yes. The things that I miss are things that I had body to body. And there are those things. Yes. But if I'm really honing down to the truth of it, I don't miss her because I have her. I, yeah. I miss I miss parenting with her. I miss um, the way she laughed. I you know I miss earthly things. Right. That's why I keep pictures around of my wife and keep talking to her. You know, for sure. The feeling that she's still there, and when these things happen, it it just blows my mind. Um, what what is interesting? And then we can get to another topic if you want. Back to the poems, but. Many years ago when my mother died, I started finding innumerable pennies, literally a couple of dozen. And they were always in places they weren't a few minutes before. The way I describe it, I go out of the house to go to the mailbox and I see the pennies on the way back up the driveway. They weren't there on the way down. And one of the grandchildren is the one who woke me up. This little pipsqueak is standing in our front yard one day and he says, oh, they're pennies from heaven. It's, I look at him like, where did that come from? You know, this little thing. Uh, but when he said that, it really, you know, I say no coincidences again. It really connected it for me. And so that's been our theme in our family. When you find them, they're pennies from heaven. And I've noticed talking with lots of people, as I do, that many people have those things, and they're not the same thing for different people. Right. But those things that just have a different feeling quality uh, to what you make meaning out of, mm. uh, to what you um, turn into metaphor, there's a different feeling about the kind of thing you're describing. Uh, so I, I know what you're talking about. Do you have those experiences as well, Charlie? Yeah, those kind of signs and, and connections with loved ones, definitely. And um, growing up in a very spiritual kind of outlook, like you, you ask for help from, you know, from your, like your guardian angel or my, my grandmother on the other side called it your gatekeeper, like your main spirit guide. And you, like you, like Grandpa Bernie and I were actually having a conversation before one of our shows the other night that like having a conversation with God, like he's your friend. And that's actually my, my short story in the, in the end of our book, The Bench talks all about like what it would be like if you meet a little kid that is sitting there talking to God and teaches you a different perspective on it, um, what that would be like. So yeah, it's, it's a great way to live, like, being open to the possibilities and connected like that for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's one I wrote. And what, again, looking in the book, I enjoy finding poems I wrote that I don't remember writing kind of thing. And this one really struck me. I think it's about all our lives called Come In. I want to leave the darkness to enter the world of the enlightened. I cry out for help. I look for the light. I bang on the door. Don't leave me in the dark. Let me in. Finally, an answer. The door is open. I have been inside all the time. I only need to open my eyes and see the light within and these are Charlie's words on the calendar he wrote, he made. My candle burns not to dispel the darkness, but to put forth the light. And I think, again, we can all see the light within 
and change our lives in that way. Our book is organized into seven different sections, and we call it a conversation about life because as you go through these sections, it's destiny, emotion, relationship, nature, our teacher, present moment, inner light, and hello, God. And as you go through these, like the emotion one covers like the beautiful, positive emotions of life. It covers like how you how you process and work through the difficult ones. My mom teaches people to apple it, acknowledge, accept, process, and let it go. So a lot of my work is like in a poetic sense, discussing through the process of that. Um, like the relationship one works in like an in intimate relationships, but also in like your relationship with the world and the universe. So. Uh, you know, as we go through this, it, it discusses a lot of those different aspects of life that, like, they might seem bad or difficult at the time, but they can be good when you when you learn from it and you, you work through it. Yeah. There's Here, a here's a poem by Charlie, which I think says the same thing. And I heard them say that God is everywhere, but I was unsure of how to see him. So I asked them where exactly I could find him, and they pointed to my heart. And they knew that that was my place to start. And that's called Finding God by Charlie. But it's the same thing. Like my finding, I'm, I thought I was on the wrong side of the door and, and that I'm not. And that Charlie, God is inside you. And, and we discover these things. And I, I mean it sincerely. What a difference it begins to make in your life when you awaken to these truths. I like that word awake, awaken. Um, you know, there's there are certain things that stood out maybe because of the circumstances of sheltering in place, the whole world being in a kind of um, loss of our lives before this, and I and some people are just having a a very rich and meaningful time and other people are waiting for it to be over right so there's a there's a little line in one of your poems free or imprisoned gift or burden years months days hours seconds time how how will you spend your sentence until you make a precious stone we're going to go to a break but that kind of captures it and listeners, you can go to my website, which is weatherandgrief.com or the, the page at, at Good Grief at Voice America. You can find links to everything there. Um, to find Bernie and Charlie Siegel, you can go to bernieseagelmd.com or find their book uh, at any bookstore. And we will be back in just a few minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent. Inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Over 20 million people in America struggle with substance use. This impacts both the people who are using and loved ones who are trying to help. Still, there is hope. 
Tune in to the Beyond Addiction Show with host Josh King. You'll hear from experts and get the real information you need to understand and assist in change. Change can be hard. It doesn't have to be confusing. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been with Bernie and Charlie Siegel this hour talking about their book of poetry and um, enjoying the conversation very much. And if I had to sum up uh, what kept running through as I was reading your poems, I would have to say it was a quality of presence, of being alive to what, Mm. to what's happening. Uh, And of course, when you were writing different poems, different things were happening, but they all had this kind of quality of presence. And this one line really stuck out at me uh, from uh, one of the poems called Eternity. When eternity comes, I'll take it one day at a time, which I just adored uh, because, um, you know, if I think about the most comforting way that I think about the end of my own life, is that it will be the same as usual, you know, where I'm responding to what's happening at the time. And uh, the best I could do with it at the moment would be to kind of uh, place myself on the map. I could never know what the place feels like. Um, I find that very comforting. You know, I don't need. To, I, know, I don't know. I don't need to know that. I just keep needing to build my capacity to live. And and I'll figure it out. It's interesting to me. I was thinking of something for when we came back and you came up with that because the beginning lines of eternity, I'm asked to be prepared for eternity. How do I prepare? Where will I spend it? And the thought I always have is, what do we call a graduation? You finish with school. What do they call it? What's the word they use for it? A commencement. A commencement. Yeah. Now, what the hell is that about? <laughs> I'm finished with school and you're telling me a commencement? And I just, you know, often bring that up to especially the younger people to say, yeah, it's a beginning. I mean, they don't say, oh, you're graduating. Let's have a termination. <laughs> you know? and, and so that's kind of the feeling I have about eternity. It, it's a series of graduations and we keep moving forward. Hopefully you move forward rather than have to, you know, relearn lessons and not make progress and uh, get left back or whatever, <laughs> but keep commencing. It's an endless series of beginnings. Every time your life changes, you have to begin again. I once saw a Native American elder talking about the end of life. 
And she started walking forward on the stage. Uh, she was just slowly taking steps. And um, she took a step and she said, this, this is what it is before the moment of my death. And then she took another step and she said, this is what it is the moment after my death. And she walked all the way across the, all the way to the edge of the stage that way. It was, um, I can't capture the drama of that, but it was quite, uh, it stuck in my mind. I think that happened uh, probably 35 years ago or so. I I was just uh, talking with somebody who's written a book uh, called Love and Miracles. And she worked with the Navajo. And the thing that impressed me, part of it, she learned their language. So when she was working with the children, they really connected with her. You know, it wasn't like they had a foreigner talking to them. And that's the part I learned too with patients, that when I could speak their language, um, we connected. The the funniest one, I mean, not everyone was funny, but this was a man in the emergency room who definitely needed abdominal surgery. Uh, And they called me to say, he won't let anybody take care of him because he's Polish. And he said, if they don't talk Polish, you can't, I won't let him take care of me. So I came down the emergency room and thank God I knew one thing in Polish, Jak Samash, which means, how are you? (laughs) <laughs> so I walked over to him and I it's said, It's a good Dat. one to know. <laughs> yeah, I said, Yaksamash. And he said, That's my doctor. <laughs> and so he went up to the operating room where he had a ruptured appendix. I mean, he was a rock for him to survive. And he left the hospital before he should Some people would say stubborn. I mean, he's, yeah. he's got a ruptured appendix and he's, and he's holding yeah, out he's for a Polish doctor. <laughs> you know, he couldn't leave the farm. But I knew he wouldn't die. I sent him home with all the medications we would have given him in the hospital. And off he went. And as I say, he didn't go home and die. But, I mean, that, when it struck me, her learning Navajo, my saying something in Polish, that we become like family with the person. It changes something. And I think that's the part we all need to remember. We need to talk the same language to each other. And um, then we really communicate. You know, it's like, again, back to Helen Keller. You know, if people don't hear you, uh, then there's no communication. Seeing doesn't, you know, make communication as hearing does. I feel as if you're speaking. Sometimes it's like the actual language and sometimes it's, you know, like the language of the heart, like being compassionate and understanding of someone is speaking their language then like they feel understood in a deeper way. And you I kind think of, you kind of took those words out of my mouth, Charlie, because <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking that's true metaphorically too. You know, if I'm, no matter which client that I happen to be sitting with or which member of a group, it's, it's when I can really join their experience that we, that we communicate. That's why I'd say, ask them, how would they describe their, Grief, see, their emotion. What words would they use to tell you what they're going through? And then say to them, what else in your life fits that? Because I've seen amazing results when people come up with words like pressure, failure, um, about physical 
issues. And then I say, what about your life? What else? And boy, their eyes pop open and they know damn well what they need to go home and straighten out in order to become healthy again and feel free of pain. So I always say to people, what are you experiencing? And then ask them about the words. Let me give you an example. I mean, the word, the ladies with cancer said failure. I said, how does that fit your life? Well, my body failed. I said, that's not my question. Oh, my parents committed suicide when I was a child. I must have been a failure as a child. And what a difference that made in her life, you know, to bring that forth and help her with that. So I think we all need to live with our experience. And I think, again, that Charlie and I are healthier because we put our experience down in words and dealt with it and have lived with it and know that our experience can help others. That's why everybody's writing books. I mean, <laughs> years ago, I put in the introduction to one of my books, there's nothing new in this book. Um, because how can I write something that hasn't happened to somebody else and that they've written, even if you went all the way back to the Bible? But what we're all having are unique experiences. So if something happens that helps you, yeah, share it with people. Well, in unique ways of describing experience, right. I, don't, I don't consider myself radical in any way, but, <clears throat> but I'm willing to accept my experience and describe it. Okay. You know, I, I like the title of your show, Good Grief. Yeah. I enjoy it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing that, um, you know, I have three children uh, and and three grandchildren as well, and um, my kids are very far apart in age, um, twenty six, thirty two, thirty nine, and so I feel as if I'm watching. They are themselves. They've always been themselves, and they'll always be themselves. You know, but mm-hmm. um, but the the ways their wisdom comes out changes over time too. And um, I love the fresh wisdom, right? The sort of youthful, uncharted wisdom. And I love the, the perspective that begins to be developed. And um, I imagine, but you can tell me, that there would be some kind of cross-pollination there that um, you're both wise men uh, in a different developmental part of, of your lives. Do you find that you learn a lot from each other in that way? Yes, definitely. Um, it, it, it reawakens you to have somebody like Charlie who is, yes, he's younger, so he's sharing different experiences, but still he has dealt with issues and I can listen to him, read his poetry and feel good. You know, it can be therapeutic. Let's put it that way uh, because of what he's experienced and I can trust him and know he's speaking the truth. And what about you, Charlie? What would you yeah, say about definitely. that way that you that you cross pollinate? I, I like that. Uh, our, in the, one of the reviews from of our book that's on the back cover, it's um, 
Joan Borisenko says, I bow to the deep kinship that nourished these poems, flowers of two souls watered from the same divine source. Uh, I look to that and that, that is a great way of saying this way that we teaching each other through the book in a way, um, mm. but learning from each other at the same time because it's we're saying similar things, but it's, it's a different take on it, different perspective. And we want to get to help people through our work. And um, but like I've been writing poetry for a long time that I get this sort of idea or inspiration in me and it's like it needs to come out. And once I start to type or to write, the, the way it's written just sort of flows and happens. Um, so I, I feel like it's all meant to be kind of stuff. I mean, when I show it with him and, and his work lines up with mine, like there's something special here that, that's meant to, to get out and reach people and help make a difference for the world. I, I feel like it's a, a blessing in a way that we get to release it during the time when, when sharing light it even more. Somebody's dog is impatient with how long this interview is going on. No, he's, he's got a problem <laughs> in his chest, so he's coughing. He woke oh, up he's coughing. <laughs> I heard what you said, Charlie. Oh, I, but let me tell you something. Smiling at the dog. We have, we're have. we just about to get off, so make it quick. Oh, well, everybody look up a poem about a dog named Rags. It'll teach you about life. They know so much. My dog knows way more than I do. I know. I know she does. <laughs> I've really enjoyed our conversation and I hope people will go and, and find you in your book. And um, I know your mom's bookstore has a lot of, uh, you know, her website has a lot of information, Charlie. It's yeah. Wisdom of the Ages, but would you spell it? Because it's a different spelling. Uh, Wisdom of the Ages is spelled like normal, but it's dot biz, dot B-I-Z. Dot um, B-I-Z. Okay. Is, and uh, I've got a page on there and, and Grandpa Bernie's got a page on there talking Excellent. about work. Thanks so much for being well, with me today. Bless you. I, I, love I, the, I enjoyed it. Love the name of your show. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thanks Next week I'll have Chelsea Beaker, author of the novel Godshot. She's connected the book to her mother leaving her when she was a child. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of... 